Okay, I want to try something different today. When you send me emails, I take them to heart, and one subject that I get asked is, how do I choose what I want to talk about on the podcast? The Hydrogen Podcast was started over two years ago with my business partner and co-creator of the show, William Rutledge. We started the show with the idea of wanting to be advocates for the hydrogen economy and leverage our backgrounds in energy and finance investing to discuss the economic factors that will need to happen in order for hydrogen to play a key role in the energy transition. We routinely have meetings together to discuss the industry and share conversations that we have had with members of the hydrogen community. This has helped us gain an understanding of the movements behind the scenes on what companies and policymakers are doing to propel the hydrogen economy forward. I thought I would share a snippet of one of those recent meetings as I think we touched on an important issue that's plaguing the short-term potential of hydrogen. I thought it would also be fun for you to see a behind-the-scenes look at how these conversations lead to the ideas behind our podcast. I'm going to cut into the conversation to save some time and to get you the information you are going to find interesting. I hope you enjoy. So the big questions in the energy industry today are... How is hydrogen the primary driving force behind the evolution of energy? Where is capital being deployed for hydrogen projects globally? And where are the best investment opportunities for early adopters who recognize the importance of hydrogen? I will address the critical issues and give you the information you need to deploy capital. Those are the questions that will unlock the potential of hydrogen, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Paul Rodden, and welcome to the Hydrogen Podcast. Well, Paul, that's a great point, though. I mean, if you think about the the state of the industry, right? Like, you know, what, two, three years ago, we were talking about, you know, hydrogen being on path for 2050 to, to, to really start, you know, accelerating the timeline of everything happening. And then you have the, you know, the Ukraine war, Russia invades, and now we're talking like global, global energy crisis, right? <laughs> Everybody's well, reinventing how they are going to get their energy. The thing is, you, you look at energy timelines, right? And oil has had, what, 130 years of growth? And even, even renewables, wind, solar, they've had 40 to 50 years to get where they are today. And now with hydrogen, you know, originally everyone's talking about net zero carbon neutrality by 2050 and hydrogen coming in so strong. That I mean, now we're just looking at ten to fifteen years for this industry to develop. They're really pushing it hard, and I, it, it's going to be important for everyone to understand the needs that we have now, energy needs globally, and the best ways to move forward without trying to force something where it shouldn't belong, and mm-hmm. with everything being shortened on timelines, it's going to be critical that everyone has just takes a deep breath. Like they, they think about it and, and they don't try to push something where it shouldn't be. And I'm not talking about any specific technologies, colors, whatever it is, just, and I'm not saying hit the brakes either, keep going hard, but do so responsibly. What, what I think is interesting in, in the industry as well is that you're starting to see, you know, especially in kind of the media side of things where the industry is almost turning on itself a little bit where, you know, 
last year you had massive amount of investments. And so we had a number of projects and this was very exciting and we're going, going, going. And then all the projects need to be built out. So now we're starting to get into these debates like, oh, what's the best technology? And oh, you, you can only use electrolyzers with you know, with solar or wind or you know the additionality clauses, things like that, that, yeah. that coming in too. Um, I mean, it's 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 inter- I mean, it's 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 a tough conversation when you start to think we need all of these technologies to work together. We need hydrogen. We need solar. We need oil. We you know we need natural gas. Th- it all has to 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 work need together nuclear. in order for us to yeah and nuclear we to get us where we need. I mean, our, our energy demands are growing. They're not shrinking. So you know, to me, it seems like we need to we need to. Uh, change the the conversation and move it back to how does all of this work together, not what is the one-stop solution. To really echo that, because it's a good point, just look just look at the IRA, right? We're now we're starting to see some some bickering and some infighting with hydrogen hubs. Who's going to get that that money, that IRA money? There's plenty to go around. Eight billion dollars is going to go a long way, you know. High velocity is out there. West Virginia is out there. And there are some other hubs that have also been encouraged to continue their submission process. There's plenty of capital. And that's just government funding, not including any kind of private capital that can be allocated to this. Also, we all will have to work together for whether it's ammonia exporting or using hydrogen internally with synthetic fuels or transportation, whether it's direct hydrogen fuel cells, internal combustion engines, whatever it is, you know, all of these hubs will have to work together to set up the infrastructure needed for cross-country travel. You imagine you're a, you're a hydrogen tech company, you know, and today you, you thought you had, you know, 10, 20 years to get it figured out. And now you're, nope. you know, now someone's throwing, you know, $70 million at you and going, okay, let's go. And <laughs> I got to figure it out. Get this tech developed. Oh, we got 10 years, right? No, I want to see a demo next year. <laughs> oh, well, man, you know, and the big challenge right now, I mean, well, I guess two. I mean, for me, like number one is offtake, but number two is the transportation of it. You know, yeah. they're, they're talking, you know, yeah, you can you can ship ammonia around, sure. But um, unless you're unless you're invested in like a hydrogen hub, like that concept of taking it more locally. So you don't have to, you know, strip it or truck it. Uh, you know, the gas line thing, I think, you know, that's, that's a non-starter. Like they're going to have to, you can't pump it through existing gas lines. So that's a little bit of money they're going to have to invest in to, to do new, uh, new lines. Well, and there, there are a lot of issues when it comes to pipe blending, you know, the, the hydrogen and, and the natural gas lines, there are a lot of issues. Well, that's why I think the hydrogen hub concept is so interesting. Is that, I do too. I mean, let's use this as an example. Like, let's say you're a city manager right now in the United States. You, you know, you you have to meet some some hard targets, right? So, you know, you 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 create a waste hydrogen facility that is pulling, you know, using your your landfill dump as as feedstock. Yeah. So right there, you're get, you're generating enough hydrogen to then power your city buses and let's say your garbage trucks that are going to 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 pick up stuff. You can start 
doing municipal buildings. You could use you know, the the Bloom Energy. I think there was a great interview on the podcast recently about yeah about their technology. So power generation, emergency power generation. I mean, Texas is going through that. <laughs> you get it on both sides. You know, winter and heat. I mean, it's like the the month of April and maybe October. You guys are good, but I think um, we're predicting record a record draw this year from ERCOT. Yeah, I mean, there are a number of solutions that hydrogen solve, and I think that it's really about just finding creative solution and then acting on it. The solutions are there now. I don't even know if you could call it Middle America, but it, it w- would be. Think of Denver, Dallas. Austin, Minneapolis, St. Louis, you know, these large metropolitan areas within the middle of the country where it could be hard depending on weather events, things like that, getting energy in and out of, if these cities became energy, not necessarily energy independent, but where they can leverage their own resources to begin creating the energy that they need for, like you were saying, buses or their facilities, you know, construction equipment as it migrates over to fuel cells, which you know JCB is doing, Caterpillar is doing, you know a lot of these big companies are doing that, and they're eventually going to be able to to sell to those. And they also have you know large trucks, semis, Class B and Class Eight vehicles. Did you see the new Hyzon truck that came out? Yes. That's that that 200 watt single stack. That's going to be cool. Uh, That's going to be cool. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait. It's, you know, that industry is going to be really interesting. It feels like that's the first one that's going to come, you know, heavy industry like cement, the, you know, ammonia, that kind of stuff for fertilizer. But but they're really pushing hard for the trucking. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out. You know, I don't know, as you know, not the leader, but but who's going to survive the uh, the coal here? Well, yeah, who's going to um, who's going to survive? And you know what, what I haven't heard? So I hear a lot about Nikola and Tesla. I haven't heard anything from Daimler or Volvo or the other ones that have been talking about it. I know they're still working on it, but I wonder if they're just kind of sitting back being like, let's see what happens to these other two startups. Well, you, you were hearing that with like consumer automobile where, you know, the, they were announcing these exciting projects and whatnot. But I mean, really, if the if the refueling infrastructure isn't there, you know, people yeah. aren't going to buy. I, I see a different case for the, the heavy trucking industry because you can set up hub and spoke where it's literally like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm swinging back to base. I'm going to refuel at the, you know, my Amazon truck is refueling at Amazon. I go do my route. I come back. I park the truck for the night. Yep. You know, I'm good to go. So I, I think that that's it, it's definitely more of a workable scenario. And, and we, you know, in talking about the city example, I mean, that's something that could easily be done. You have like a hub spoke either, you know, one at the waste facility. So the garbage trucks roll in, they dump their load, they refuel, they pop back out. And then you could have another hub where you could you could truck in the hydrogen to that area. All your school buses, all of your, you know, city buses, infrastructure needs that you need are all right there. And yep. you get it taken care of. I mean, it's such a, I mean, when you think about it, there's there's an easy solution there. I think it just is really just getting everybody on board and then raising the capital to get that, you know, initial, but they could, they could scale in and over time. I mean, it's not a big deal. And I mean, the thing is, I, I know, like I, I have worked with some cities who are, who are pursuing that actively 
And there are some hydrogen companies who are helping them out on it. It was kind of behind the scenes stuff. So I don't want to say who it was, but it's, it's, it's coming. This isn't hypothetical stuff. It's, it's actually in the works. And this is part of what we were talking about. You know, the, the 2050 isn't going to be 2050. It's going to be like 2035. And that's nuts. 2050 was an insane timeline for, for an energy transition. And now we're talking 15 years. And, and they can do it. I think w- when you're looking at all the subsidies that are going in, people are committed to the project of energy transition. I mean, even even the the, the super majors, yeah. you know, they, they realize, I mean, from what you and I both know from behind the scenes, the, the pie is being divvied up. So it's really just a matter of, okay, where do we all fit in the new ecosystem of, of you know, energy dominance? Yeah. Glo- <laughs> but I mean, you know, when you talk about the super majors, super majors have been working with hydrogen for 50 years. They know how to deal with this stuff. The only thing they're adding in now is carbon capture. They know how to do this stuff. And so that's why I think it's so easy for them to step into this energy transition and not really hurt their bottom line because they've already been doing it for so long. I don't think I don't think people in the general public really know how much hydrogen gets used on a day-to-day basis in refineries. You know, you know what blows me away, Paul? It, it when you start to think of a diversification of your energy portfolio, yeah. how you know, every every single energy company out there right now needs to be adding hydrogen to their portfolio. You know, maybe they don't have to change their entire business model. I understand the core core focus is on what they do, natural gas, oil, whatever, whatever that is, their core focus. That's that's what they should keep. But but it's just an additional rev at the very least. It's an additional revenue stream that they can implement, you know, with their existing infrastructure. Absolutely. And it kills. I mean, I mean, think about this. Like, so, you know, we have a relationship. I mean, if you had, oh, I don't know, let's say if you had a well. Natural gas, you're pumping out what 200 MCF a day. You could, you could take this technology, plunk it down right next to the well, start producing hydrogen, and and, and there you go, you're done. Like it's it's right at the source, no transportation unless you're transport, you know, transporting hydrogen, you yeah, know, straight out to your offtake. But but I mean, it's it's there. I mean, you think these low producing wells that, you know, what are you going to do with it? You can't tie it into the grid because it's too expensive for such a low output. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Think think about this. Like you could, if you had like, let's say 600 MCF a day, you could have that technology sitting there with like a Bloom, you know, Bloom Energy fuel cell, self-cannibalize that energy. And now you're like greener than green. I, I mean, I hate using the color, sorry. Um, <laughs> Shame on you. Incredible low, yeah, incredibly low carbon intensity. There we go. How do we do that? But, but I mean, it's phenomenal. I mean, you, you could create a solution that is sustainable off the grid. You're producing something, or if you want to, uh, you know, the other solution would be just pumping, like having a hub that's closer to your offtake, so you could have a, a facility that will manage it, and then just truck in the natural gas. So it's, you know, it's cheaper than trucking the hydrogen. So I mean, there's a number of options. It, it seems like if you're talking to the companies it's a no brainer to add this kind of stuff. Like it's easy to do. You just need to worry about where your offtake is. 
having been in the oil field for a good part of my life, you see either, like you were saying, these low volume wells for natural gas, they're just you know, 200 MCF a day. Just It's not much. You know, they're just going to either shut in these wells or flare the gas off. And that's another thing. You've got flare gas that you're just burning. That's money literally going up in flames where you could repipe that into this technology. Now you have your hydrogen on site. And so for these field units, field crews have, you know, their places where they stay out in the field and you have uh, field offices. All of that can be powered now by the natural gas that you're making on site without having to be tied back into the grid. And now you're completely autonomous. You don't have to worry about grid failures, working with grid companies, electrical companies. You're now using your own resources at the site. You're not wasting material anymore. It's, it's a win-win. And you know, this is, we're, we're not even talking super majors here. We're talking small and mid cap companies working out in the Eagleford and the Barnett and the Permian and Appalachia, any heavy gas field, it doesn't even have to be a heavy gas field, just anything that's, you know, not, not too wet on gas. So something a little bit drier than condensate, you just take that gas out and you utilize that. You cannibalize that, like you said, and now you're off the grid, you're powering all of your own systems and now you're green. You know, one of the things to think about is if you, if you pull that flare gas and you start using that, then all of a sudden the, the light pollution that you have to worry about is gone. Cause that's a big thing out in, in Permian and the Eagle for things like that is light pollution. You have to make sure that these flares aren't too close to any establishments any residential buildings, you don't have to worry about that anymore. So that regulatory issue gets pushed aside. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where, you know, if you look at hydrogen location analytics, I think that that comes into play. I mean, there's a lot of stuff for software out there for oil and gas, but I mean, as far as hydrogen is concerned, you know, and, and how that all comes into play, there's only a few solutions out there. It's going to be interesting to see in the future, how these energy companies are willing to to adapt and you know de-risk in order to take advantage of this opportunity. You know, you brought up location analytics, which is always close to my heart. It took oil and gas 15 to 20 years to a- adapt location analytics into their day-to-day workflows. We're now at a place where that can be leveraged now with hydrogen in its infancy to help push it forward. To me, location analytics has to be at the upper echelon of thought processes with hydrogen companies, hydrogen offtakers, producers, transporters globally. To have a platform where you can look at everything, that system is is going to be revolutionary. Yeah, I agree. Well, um, I need to get back to some client work. So um, that was a good talk. And look forward to doing it again. Same. Hey, this is Paul. I hope you liked this podcast. If you did and want to hear more, I'd appreciate it if you would either subscribe to this channel on YouTube or connect with your favorite platform through my website at www.thehydrogenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I very much appreciate it. Have a great day.